All right, good evening, everyone. My name is Ryan Miner. You're listening to A Minor Detail on blogtalkradio.com slash A Minor Detail. Check us out on the web at aminordetail.com, and you can sign up for my website and receive my morning briefing every morning um, by subscribing to my website. and Just type in your email, your name, and you'll get an email every day as early as 7 a.m. So welcome back. It's been a great week. Lots to talk about, um, but before we start the show, I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, there's a lot going on down in Texas tonight, and if you've been following the news like I have, i got to tell you, it's sort of heart-wrenching to see some of those pictures and stories come out, but get on your iPhones or Androids right now, text 90999, and, uh, and to uh, actually type in Harvey. H-A-R-V-E-Y to 90999. You can donate $10 to the American Red Cross. You can also contact the Red Cross, redcross.com. They're giving out um, water assistance to those folks down in Texas. So we're thinking about you all down there. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I know that we can help. And if we can, let's try to do our best to, to do all we can for those folks. So, anyway, I'm going to go right into the show tonight. Um, Alec Roth, he's running for governor of Maryland. He's a Democrat, and he's going to talk to us tonight until about uh, 9.30 or so. So Alec is with us now. Hey, Alec, how are you doing, man? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Ryan? I'm, I'm doing great. So you are running for governor of Maryland, and this is your first political campaign. Is that correct? Well, it's the first time my name's been on the ballot. I ran technology policy for Barack Obama's presidential campaign, and if been around politics otherwise, but this is the first time my name's going to be on the ballot. Um, as you said at the Democratic picnic up in Washington County on Thursday night, um, when you referred to Barack Obama's first presidential campaign, you explicitly said, well, that went well, and it, sure, it certainly did. Um, Barack Obama's first presidential campaign, uh, the technology side, um, I was, let's see, I was a, a college senior, and that was one of the most influential tech, technological campaigns I've ever seen in my lifetime in short span in politics. It was run brilliant, and you're partially responsible for how Barack Obama digitally touched thousands, millions, millions of people and got his message out. So we'll get into that, but I just want to start. Tell us where you're from. And how you arrived at the decision to run for governor of Maryland, and a little bit about your background. Sure, the short version of who I am. Look, I grew up in coal country. There's no blue blood in this body. Grew up in coal country, and because of a woman, uh, sort of affectionately nicknamed by my friends Becky the Barbarian, my mother, she said, "Hey, even though you're growing up in coal country, you're gonna, you will go to college." And so me, my brother, and my sister all worked hard growing up and uh, went to college, then moved to Baltimore out of college to be a school teacher. I taught sixth grade at Booker T. Washington Middle School in West Baltimore, and then somewhat improbably became a technology entrepreneur um, and did that for like eight years, was then recruited to run technology policy for Barack Obama's first presidential campaign, which you mentioned earlier served in his administration and uh, had a good long run in it. And now I'm at the helm of a really promising run for governor. That's, that's sort of 25 years and 15 seconds for you, Ryan. I mean, that's, that's the short version of, 
of what's happening. And the other night you mentioned you're 45 years old. Uh, you have a wife. You have three children. And I know that has to keep you busy as a dad, a husband. And I, I saw a picture, I think, on your Twitter feed that you were taking your daughter to some sort of sporting practice. And it gets busy. I have we have two of our own. So we I, I know what it's like. Um, but being the first time candidate uh, that is with your name on the ballot, um, I want to I want to talk directly about your message, your campaign, and I want to go to the event the other night and up in Western Maryland. That's that's the first time I've actually heard you um, give any sort of speech. I, I've, I've seen you introduce yourself up in Garrett County at the uh, Democratic their Lincoln or not Lincoln Day dinner, but their Democratic dinner back in June. And I've I've seen your website. And by the way, I have to tell you. Um, if you're listening now, go to alecross.com and take a look. It's a, it's very well designed. I got, I'm, I'm impressed about the structure. It's all there. It's front and center. You can learn about your issues. Very impressive, Alex. So, you delivered a speech the other night that I, I was, I was sitting there and I was tweeting it, and the whole time I was listening, I said, man, there's something different about this guy. And then I listened to all the Democratic candidates speak before the audience. And I thought, hmm, what is, the, what is different about Alec? And there's a couple things that stuck out to me. Number one is you didn't really attack Governor Hogan. And while the rest of the candidates stood up and it was like a free-for-all attacking Governor Hogan, but what was so refreshing about your campaign, about your message, Alec, is you stood up there and gave like a five-point policy of basic state issues in which you want to accomplish, and I think that that deserves credit. You talked about policy. You talked about you. You talked about your candidacy. Not many candidates do that these days. I know that Governor Hogan's popular. We know that Governor Hogan is, is well-liked all around the state of Maryland, but you went up and talked about what you want to accomplish. That makes you different in this political climate, and that really impressed me, and I just want to say major kudos to you. I was floored when you got up and talked. You talked about something that I care passionately about, and that's education. And who better than a former school teacher in the city of Baltimore to talk about these issues? So let's talk about that. You want to bring broadband, broadband excuse me, and high-speed internet into the underserved world and urban communities. So you want to train young folks to take advantage of this. And you use this phrase over and over again, Alec, and you said – and I quote, um, I've learned if there's one thing or if there's one thing I've learned in my 45 years of life, it's the talent is everywhere. Opportunity is not. What does that mean? Look, I, I've had a really blessed life, Ryan. You know, look, I grew up, as I said earlier, you know, it, amidst poverty. I didn't grow up poor. I grew up sort of solidly middle class, but I grew up amidst poverty and I am and I then taught very low income school children in West Baltimore. So I've seen rural poverty. I've seen urban poverty. But since then, I've been lucky. Like, I, you know, look, I, I got to serve in the Obama administration as a presidential appointee. I sit on boards of directors of big fancy companies. And I've got to tell you, I am completely convinced that the kids that I grew up with in coal country and the sixth graders I taught at Booker T. Washington Middle School in West Baltimore have the same God-given talent as the folks who sat 
across the table from me in the White House Situation Room. I'm completely convinced of it. I think that genius is everywhere, but opportunity isn't. And so what I want to do as governor is try to figure out those things we can do to enable the rise of the rest. I don't think it should be the case that whether you're going to succeed or fail is going to be based on what zip code you were born in or who your mommy or daddy are. You know, the, whole, the essence of America, I mean, the American dream is that if you work hard, it doesn't matter, who, it shouldn't matter who your parents are or where you're born. If you work hard, if you are smart, you can get ahead. And I just, I feel like we've stumbled, tumbled, and fumbled a little bit on this over the last 20, 25 years. So I'm getting into this race in part to try to reanimate and reinvigorate the American dream and just this little part of America here called Maryland. Yeah. I grew up in Western Maryland, Alec, and we, we had a brief conversation on Thursday evening. I grew up in Washington County. Then I moved to Montgomery County. I left to go to school. I was so blessed. Uh, I came from a middle-class family. My grandfather worked um, for 30. He he was a world war two veteran. He worked for the city of Hagerstown at their industrial light plant for 30 years my mom and dad started a small business when, uh, in, in 1988. So we are the epitome of the middle class. And the middle class seems to be shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And I'm a product of public schools. Thank God my parents were able to afford to send me to college. And I look, I had a lot of help. I worked through college. And I understood that um, when, I, when I graduate college, it, you know, I want to do, I want to make sure that our kids are prepared to have that same experience. Now, you said something the other night that stuck out to me because I've been saying this for a long time, Alec, that you know, to be successful in life, we're on this there seems to be a straight and narrow path that if you go to college, you're successful and you you said it best. You go to college and you're a winner. You don't go to college, you're a loser. How do we get there? How do we get to that sentiment? Well, you know, look, this is I am a democrat, but I am you know, I think you have to find I think you have to be honest and find fault with Democrats um, when when it's when it's time to do so. And the the idea that you go to college, you're a winner, you don't go to college, you're a loser is something that I believe has dominated Democratic education policy for the last 20 years. And I think it's part of why the old base of the Democratic Party, the sort of blue collar folks the lunch pail Democrats who didn't necessarily go to college, why they've overwhelmingly left the party. And I think it's become, I think it's because, as I said the other night, the Democratic Party's become a little bit elitist. You know, we've become this party of sort of white shirt, red tie, Yale elitist, <laughs> disconnected from, you know, the, the, the people who we're meant to serve. Um, and I think that's why the likes of Donald Trump beat the likes of Hillary Clinton, because we are so distant from the old, you know, what, what Robert F. Kennedy called the black and blue coalition, people of color with blue collar workers. The blue is gone. Um, so what we have to do to get back is in a way that isn't an act of tourism, we have to reconnect with the people who are meant to serve. You know, we got to, you know, God bless the think tanks. God bless the Ivy League colleges. They all have virtue and value and they serve a purpose. 
but you can't spend all of your times on Ma- all your time on Massachusetts Avenue in Washington D.C. You can't just go from college campus to college campus. You got to get out into the real world. And remember, you only got one mouth, but you got two ears. And actually seek to understand the things that are challenging people um, outside of your sort of elitist little circles. And I think our failure to do so in recent years is is why we have a numbskull like Donald Trump as president right now. I think it's extraordinary that you have the political courage to stand up and reflect on where the Democratic Party comes up short. And I happen to agree with you. And you, you, put it to, you put it to people in a way that makes sense. The reason – if you want to understand in part why Donald Trump won, as you said the other night, it's because a lot of these folks that are stuck in the economy, they're working the minimum wage. They don't have those college degrees, and they feel disconnected from people. And if you go up into Western Maryland and Garrett, Allegheny, and Washington, and Frederick, and then portions of the Eastern Shore – it's a lot different from where I live and where you live. Uh, I live in Montgomery County where the, a, a, master, a master's degree is a, a very common thing. And look, we got to start – we have to figure out how to talk to people on a, on a base-to-base level and understand why those folks out in Western Maryland, why they saw the hope in Donald Trump and give them an even better message, Alec. And I think that you got up there and you talked about it, you know, bringing broad – broadband. You talked about education. Um, Two key components of 21st century education experience is technology. So in the state of Maryland, Alec, what are some of those issues that you think that if you get into the governor's mansion that you can get to work quickly on that is going to really propel Maryland um, back into the forefront? So here are a couple things. Number one, universal computer science education. Right now, only 40% of public schools in Maryland offer so much as a single computer science class. And those 40% are basically the 40% of schools that serve the highest income zip codes. This despite the fact that computer code is the alphabet that much of the future is going to be written in. Now, I don't think we need to be creating you know, a million gazillion computer scientists, but I do think that in a state like Maryland, where we currently have 20,000 vacancies with an average starting salary of $100,000 a year in cybersecurity, you know, if you're growing up in Hagerstown, if you're growing up in Frederick, if you're growing up in Easton, if you're growing up in West Baltimore, you don't need college degrees necessarily to get those jobs, but you do need some functional literacy in computer science. So thing one, I would say, is we've got to bring universal access to computer science education. Thing two, uh, technical education and proper apprenticeships for people who aren't going to college. Um, You know, it ought not be the case that if you're going to college, you're a winner. If you don't go to college, you're a loser. We are – Maryland, bizarrely enough, is a state where we don't have enough electricians. We don't have enough plumbers. We don't have enough welders. When Comcast is building a network into a big old company, we don't have enough people with the certifications and the training to be able to do the labor to build the networks into the, into the new companies. So I, I can't help but think that if we sort of do vocational education for the 21st century, recognizing what the industries of the, futures, what the, industries of the future are, 
that we will be doing right by people who desperately want to need it. And then to the last point, broadband. Look, ports were the infrastructure of the 18th century. Rail was the infrastructure of the 19th century. Highways were the infrastructure of the 20th century. Broadband networks are the infrastructure of the 21st century. No broadband, no economy. I don't care if you're urban, suburban, exurban, or rural. Everybody needs access to a high-speed, low-cost internet connection. And there are places throughout Maryland uh, that lack affordable access to high-speed internet connectivity. And if you are from, if you are living in Washington County, if you are living in in Carroll County, if you are living uh, on the Eastern Shore, it's hard to be a small business owner and be able to be part of a regional economic ecosystem if you're disconnected from the net. So one of the first things I will do is try to light up the state of Maryland with affordable broadband access. I, I think it's I think it's an excellent idea. And look, some down here in Montgomery County, we're lucky. We have some of the best schools in literally the country, uh, certainly in the state. Our, our kids are going to go to Wooten High School, and they're going to be very lucky. And we're driving our son to consider uh, military service of some kind, um, perhaps the, the Naval Academy. And we recognize that being a parent is a big part of, um, you know, it doesn't just stop in the classroom. And, and as you know, as a dad and as a parent of three, you know, you, it comes home right back in, you know, every night is something different um, with that's education related. And that focus is very important. So I want to ask you, you're a first-time candidate, and some of these other candidates in, a, in the Democratic field, Alec, they're county executives and they're state senators. But you're not – it doesn't seem like you're a politician. In fact, the way that you talk, the way that you interact with people sounds like that you're very different from a politician. Do you think that's going to be able to help you, that's going to propel your campaign, that people are going to pay close attention to what you're saying – for the fact that you know you haven't been around the block, you haven't been a, a councilman, a, a mayor, a state senator, and county executive, all that. Do you think that helps you in this political climate? I do. And you know what? Twelve of the 50 governors in the United States of America had never won office before, before, before becoming governors. I think people are sick and tired of career politicians. I do. I think they find them inauthentic. I think they find them disconnected from their real problems. I think they are sick and tired of, of sort of political – of the way that politicians speak, which is different from how they speak. I think they're tired of sound bites. I think they're tired of language and actions that line up with what pollsters say you ought to think and how you ought to speak. I think people are tired of it. So I do yeah. think that being a non-politician will help, but I didn't. Ju- but I also didn't just fall off the turnip truck. You know, I, <laughs> look, I did. You know, I, look, I did serve in the Obama administration. I ran pretty big programs there. Um, you know, t- thousands of employees, millions of dollars being spent. Um, so look, I think it's. I think there's virtue and value in being a real person and not being a politician doing politico speak all the time. But by the same same token, it's better if you can combine that with some competence and some experience that's relevant to what you're trying to get done. So what I'm hoping is that the citizens of Maryland see that in me. 
They see that I am incapable. I'm, I, I am physically incapable of speaking or acting like an everyday politician. <laughs> but by the same token, the job isn't too big for me. You know, look, I've I've worked in government, have have moved have moved massive projects around the country. So I'm hoping that people see the best of both worlds in me. You know, you remind me of, of, of a candidate who ran for mayor of Baltimore that I, I got behind and supported, even that I, I don't live in Baltimore city, but um, knowing the territory, you've probably heard of a guy by the name of David Warnock. Um, yep. And yep. David's campaign was fundamentally different and he didn't win. Um, but that's okay. I, I soon recognized David Warnock's campaign as something that was very special. He talked about issues that I cared about, and he stuck to the issues. Um, and I think he was someone who was very successful and did pretty well in his bid, and I hope he decides to, to stay politically involved, and I'm sure he will. I think that living in Maryland pretty much all my life, Alec, I can tell you I'm tired of politicians. You know, some, many politicians have great ideas. And I'm tired of the, the standard political speak. They get up, they make the speech, they attack their opponent. I'm really kind of done with that. I'm interested in people who want to put their ideas to the test and want to share those ideas with people. And, I, like I, I, and I'll say this again, and you stuck out to me the other night amongst all the other candidates because I think you had a bold declaration of ideas. I'm interested in candidates that stand up there and say, I have a five-point plan or I have a ten-point plan. And here's the policy behind it, and here's exactly what I want to do. And I'm not interested in people going out and just slamming the current governor. And I agree with Governor Hogan on many issues, and there's issues that I don't agree with him on. Um, and, I'm, and I'm thinking that you're going to be someone that you win this nomination. You're going, to take, you're going to take your issues and your ideas and hold them up next to and juxtapose them with Governor Hogan's, and it's going to be a real policy debate, and that's healthy for our democracy. And I think that's something that President Obama's presidency has taught us. You know, President Obama always – he made it about policy. He, you know, he wasn't someone who personally attacked. That's what I'm looking for in a candidate, Alec, and I, I hope you can be that person. Well, look, I hope so too. That's, I, I appreciate your – pointing out the tone that I tried to set in, in Washington count, and County. And the person who I have to give the credit to is President Obama. You know, President Obama, you know, when we were on his campaign and, and some of us wanted to, you know, just lob bombs at the other <laughs> side, um, Obama said, you know, basically fair to make contrasts and we're going to be tough. We aren't going to be wimps. We're going to be tough and we will make clear, distinct contrasts. He said, but you have to articulate a clear vision and a plan to execute against that vision. So what my so my run for governor is animated and inspired by the lesson that I learned at Barack Obama's knee. And so sure, I won't be afraid to to call out those times where I have a contrast of my views uh, with Larry Hogan's. But by the same token, I am just – I have no interest in this sort of spear-chucking tribalism <laughs> that I hear coming from too many candidates. You know, it's not all about firing the other guy. It's about compelling people to hire you and say, all right, well, what are you offering? 
if you don't have anything to offer other than just tearing down somebody else, then you're no better than just every other wet finger politician licking his finger, holding it up in the air and seeing which way the wind's blowing. Yeah, I, I agree. And coming into office in Maryland, you're going to have to work with, uh, look, it's a Democrat, it's a built in Democratic advantage, but there's a lot of Republicans out there, too, in the Eastern Shore and Maryland. And if you look back, Larry Hogan did really well. Uh, he won 20 out of 23 counties, and that speaks volumes. So, you, you, Alec, are you someone who can work across the aisle on some of these bipartisan issues and run the state, Maryland, run effective government from a more centered bipartisan approach? Well, I think that's how I'm wired. I mean, I don't know about you, Ryan, but my friends, we are white, we are black, we are brown, we are Democrat, we are Republican. And, you know, we don't you don't decide to hate somebody based on, you know, what box they check, Democrat, Republican, white, black, brown, whatever else. You know, we're we're diverse. Right. We think differently, but we're still friends. And I think that if you go to work, you've got people who you agree with politically around you. You've got people you disagree with around politically. You may not like some of the people you agree with. You may like some of the people you disagree with. But for whatever reason, politicians, they just they change. It's like you you, you're an adult, but you suddenly start acting like a nine year old. Um, and you know, if, if somebody's in a different political party, it's like you've regressed to fourth grade. You're going to start acting childlike in terms of your interactions with people. And I just, I'm unimpressed by that. And I think that most Marylanders are unimpressed by that. And so, look, I will not be afraid to, you know, yell loudly. When I think somebody something somebody is saying something offensive, like I, you know, I detest Donald Trump, and and I, I am impolite when I draw con- when I, you know, point out those things that I think that he's misfiring on. But by the same token, here in Maryland, running against Larry Hogan, ultimately, what I want people to understand is my own vision for what I would do for Maryland. And it's not about trying to convince people that Larry Hogan is some kind of scumbag. That's just just not how I was raised. It's not. It's just not the right way of approaching this race. And it's. And if I did it, it would be inauthentic to who I am. Yeah, and it's it's not a good message for for kids watching. For any, you know, if you turn it 100% against the opponent, and you don't stand for anything, then I I think you're right, and that doesn't send a good message. I'm a policy wonk. Uh, you know, we could spend two hours dipping into education policy and talking about how we can improve our, our our schools and how we can work with the inner cities and how we get people out of poverty. And we could talk about economics and we'll save that for another discussion. But, you know, I want to ask you this important question, Alec, that uh, you are a new candidate and you're you're young. I'm 31 and you're 45. So we're not that far apart. But. Yeah. Being the new guy on the block and running for governor of Maryland, have you heard from anybody to say, oh, you know, Alec, you may not make it this time because you got all these other big name politicians that are running? Has have you heard that? Has people discounted you in any way when you, since you stepped into this um, role as being a candidate? A little bit, but not much. What I've actually okay. heard is the opposite. I mean, those people who saw what I did serving in the Obama administration. 
um, have actually sort of had a smile and a half grin and have sort of said, look out folks, here comes Alec Ross. So, um, I, look, I can be a little bit ferocious. I, you know, I've, I, anything I've done that's been worth doing in my life has come with some measure of risk on the front end of it. Um, some measure of uncertainty on the front end of it. And, and if anything, I've got, I've been humbled by the, by the confidence that, that people have put into my race. You know, we're raising a ton of money. We're building a big volunteer base. We're generating some buzz. So there might be a couple sort of small-minded people out there who say, oh, gee, Alec, this may be a little bit of a stretch. But I think people are desperate for new faces and new ideas in our politics. And I think that actually those people who combine both wisdom and intelligence are among those who have said, you know what, Alec, get at it. I think this might just work. So I've, you know, I've been in this now for three or four months, and I'm more encouraged by discouraged. I'm more encouraged than discouraged, and I've gotten a lot more advice to just get at it and run hard than I have folks saying, oh, well, maybe you should, you know, run for Congress or run for this or just dial it back a little. <laughs> Don't you hate you know, that? People have been encouraging. Well, no, you know, but those people, those look, those people more often than not end up, they oftentimes are too smart for their own good. I mean, there's, these are the same people who told me 10 years ago that Barack Obama had no shot at being president. <laughs> these are the same people who, when I started a company in a basement, you know, you know, 17 years ago said, oh, Alec, why don't you just get a good job at, you know, a mutual fund company or something like that. So there, it's better to tune these folks out, I think. You know, it's well, better it's better it's better to just assess the risk get at it go at it with some dignity go at it with some dignity and some discipline and some focus and and uh you know work hard what i what i like most about your candidacy is that i think that you're someone who will never forget where he came from and coal country and where you were in western maryland those kind of values are all over maryland and it's important that you remember every single day, and you said it best, you're humble. That's what we're looking for in a candidate. We're tired of people, politicians that are off-putting. You know, you show up to some of these events, Alec, and you find these candidates who are overstaffed. They have all these people around them. They feel unapproachable. And I just walked right up to you. We started talking, and we had a nice conversation. And then you moved on and talked to more people, more people. And that's what we want. That's that's Maryland. We're not stuffy. We, we don't want that. And I think I can appreciate that you're not going to ever forget where you came from. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm glad to see that you are running. And um, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking briefly with us. And we'll do this again. I'm going to follow your campaign closely. And um, I'm hoping um, one of these days when you're out in the campaign trail, um, you know, as a political journalist, I, I like to, to follow all the candidates. So maybe one of these days at the campaign stop, I'd like to hang out with you and just follow you around for, you know, a couple hours. I would love that. I would love that to be continued. <laughs> all right. Well, you tell your wife and kids I said hi and God bless you. Thanks for running. And uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Yep. Take it easy. Bye bye.
All right. Maryland gubernatorial candidate Alec Ross. Um, you can find him on the web at alecross.com. So next uh, I have – oh, hey, it's my good buddy Henry House from Washington County. Hi, Henry. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Long time no talk. Uh, yeah, yeah. Text messages, mm-hmm. email every once in a while. I know. I know. You are, you are a very busy man now being the president of the Hagerstown Rotary Club. Well, that that's a little bit of busy, but there's a, there's a whole lot of other busy that goes on too. I know you're a you're a dad, you're a grandpa, and uh, you've got a lot going on. But uh, no, I miss you. We're gonna have to get together really soon and and hang out and go to our favorite place, Denny's, and and just chat about everything. <laughs> well, Denny's is closed up. They're getting remodeled, so we're, we're gonna have to find somewhere else. All right. Well, we like that pizza shop out there in the North End. Uh, what was that? Place? There you go. Um, Brothers? Uh, Northside. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Anyway, so, oh, man, am I, you know, talking about education with Alec Ross brings us to the next topic. I'm sure you heard about these controversial anti-Trump Facebook comments written by a Smithsburg High School teacher by the name of Josh Kramer. And for the record, he's not an English teacher, but rather he is a social studies teacher, and he's been at Smithsburg for a number of years now, and he's a relatively young guy, and Josh Kramer also sits on the Frederick County Democratic Central Committee. But anyway, it was I think it was uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, we started getting, I guess, social media had started filtering in. You know how that happens. It, it goes viral pretty quickly. He had made some comments basically saying that he asks students who, who wear Make America Great Again apparel to leave his – his classroom. So, Henry, what do you make of that? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't understand why we have to keep having these incidents appear on our radar screens. Um, I, I wish, you, you know, I understand that he has a prejudice against the current president, and that's fine. Uh, I understand he more than likely voted for uh, the first runner-up, and that that's fine also. But um, the classrooms for education, and I, I think there's no stronger validity of the First Amendment than to be able to have a discussion, not to ridicule or uh, bemoan a point, but to have a discussion if a, a student walks in and he's – teaching social studies, and this might be a be an appropriate class to, to bring this point up. Um, but you, you shouldn't belittle the student for making opinions. They're probably, you know, some students are going to be framing their mindset off of what their home is, so now you're pitting the parents essentially against the teacher. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, him, him being on the Democratic Central Committee certainly does um, – look poorly upon um, his viewpoints. And, you know, I, I don't know him personally to, to, to criticize him. Uh, only thing I have, and I'm not sure if you talked to him because uh, I know you did solicit some, some comments from him. Uh, I tried to. The, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't know if he responded. I saw what the uh, principal articulated, which was very concise. Uh, I also saw what Washington County Public Schools 
has as a written policy, which is very concise. So there's not a lot of gray area there. And we've had a board member who used social media and wind up having uh, her her fingers uh, smacked with the uh, 12-inch ruler. So (laughs) I I would have thought that would have been lesson learned and that we would have moved forward from that. But, uh, you know, the threat of removing someone from a classroom because of the shirt that they wear. Um, If someone walked in with a uh, Black Lives Matter T-shirt, would he ask for them to step out because that might offend um, some other students in the class? If someone walked in with a um, swastika, I, I can see a swastika being classified as literally hate. Um, and that's really no place for that to be in, in the school. I think the school would probably in, endorse that. But we're talking about make America great again. Uh, we're talking about the sitting president, whether you like him or you don't. I, I think we all need to mature in our current society to allow for differences of opinion, to allow for us to have discussions and elevate our conversations rather than slam the door in someone's face and tell them they're always wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with everything that you said. Uh, And look, I don't know if this incident has ever happened. I don't know if Mr. Kramer, Smithsburg High School teacher, ever kicked anybody out of his classroom. And I think the answer to that is, is that it's in the hands of the administration, his principal, the superintendent, the operational side of the school system to investigate that it happened. And from by all accounts, Henry, a lot of people have said that he's a good teacher. In fact, I've received a note from a couple people who have written in defending him saying that he that he, he's a great teacher. He's a nice guy. He may have made a mistake. They may not have used those words. But um, social media is a place where anything it can be interpreted to mean anything. So when when it came down, and you know as well as I do, this count Washington County is very pro Donald Trump. It's it's a it's a red county. It's very Republican. well. It's a red county, and regardless of whether it was Donald Trump or Bob Dole. Yeah, um, it, it, it wouldn't make any difference. So I, I, I think I, I so you know let's let's remove Trump from the equation. It's sure it, it's the way society over the last uh, you know five to twenty years has dissolved. That it's become very bitter and partisan. And if you don't agree with me, then uh, you're wrong. Uh, that is the the basic idea. I think. You're mature enough, and you obviously, you know, from your your experience being a political blogger and uh, mm-hmm. doing a minor detail, um, you listen to both sides. You don't I necessarily agree um, with with a person's political stance, but you're willing to listen and allow them to articulate their point, unless it comes down to something that is wholly inappropriate. Which, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've been asked in the past about things along those lines. Oh sure. Um, so where where I'm getting at is this, you know, as far as Henry House, who's a Washington County citizen, this is the this is WCPS. They they can research it. Um, you know, there's nothing illegal 
per se that occurred because we don't know that he actually did it. Um, the the f- way he, it was phrased online probably could have been polished a little better. And yeah. I'm kind of surprised because it was essentially, I dare you to challenge me on this. And well, as, as that's, soon as he that's threw – sticking point. That's – when you <laughs> – when you say, you know, let them let them take me on or if you issue a challenge, don't be surprised when people do challenge you, especially in in this community. Look, it, it was almost like a mob squad that went after him in a way. And I don't agree. Look, people can be disappointed and people can be very upset. And the reason why there's what I think is some some heated tension there is that he's he's a public employee. He's a taxpayer employed teacher at a public school and you know as a teacher the it wouldn't be appropriate for them to say because you're wearing a donald trump shirt or a mitt romney shirt or a um a neil parrot shirt i don't want you in my classroom and i'm going to make you leave because i think the teacher thinks that's some sort of symbol of bigotry and hatred and that's not the way it works, and that's not how the Constitution functions. Now, if a student wore a shirt that said something awful or that was inappropriate, then you know as well as I do, the moment that student walked in, somebody would notice, some teacher would notice, and that they would ask that student to remove that piece of clothing or hat or whatever that was a distraction and and send them home and make them change. So th- that's the point. But but a lot of people jump down, jump quickly on the let's fire him bandwagon. And Henry, I don't think that's the case. I, I think that's a no, bit no, but hyperbolic. It, that's a, that's extreme. But, that's, but, that's a little ridiculous. Let's let's look at this from a, a different perspective. If we would, if he would be teaching in Baltimore City Schools, and he did the yeah. same post, would not um, the five or six Republicans that actually have their kids attend a Baltimore City public school, um, complain about have, – have a right to complain about it also. Sure. Okay. So you know, I think with you – know, he did it in a very pro-Republican community, which highlighted. But if he did it in, in Baltimore City, it should have been highlighted just the same because it was wrong in that regard. Um his, I guess, you know, it was the the challenge that he threw down. Go ahead and take me on. Essentially, is what it boiled down to. And I, I can't speak to him as far as a teacher. I, I don't I don't know him. I don't. My kids never went to Smithsburg, so I don't have any aptitude regarding his ability. I like to think that every teacher that works at WCPS is a qualified, talented teacher that reaches the students and gets them to grow. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not trained to judge his teaching ability, especially since I don't have any kids that benefit from his, his teaching ability. It's just, he mixed his personal life in with the classroom, uh, personal life being a member of the Frederick County Democratic Central Committee. Um, so he, he, he mixed things together, which didn't work out well. I, I feel sorry for him. Uh, to a certain extent, it, but I appreciate that he has a passion regarding his political views. I don't agree with him, but I appreciate that he has that passion. Yeah, it's just yeah. not so, classrooms, not the right place for it to be. 
Well, what do you think of what do you make of people calling for him to be fired? What do you think about people taking to his first personal Facebook page and writing uh, you know horrible things? I, I think I mean me personally, then, then, that's then not we, the right we, way. We are to no know. better. No, yeah, we, no, we, we are no we we are we are no better than what his initial comment was. We we are we are setting our bar lower. What we should do is a if he feels that passionate regarding that uh, make America great again shouldn't be in his classroom, he should seek out a private school which adheres to his political views. Sure, I'm sure there are some out there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, if he feels if he feels that passionate about articulating the Democratic Central Committee. Maybe he should not be in the classroom as a teacher um, and, and pursue some other career avenue. We shouldn't ask for heads. Okay? No. That, that's, that's the problem that we have. This is in the this problem society, that we have everybody wants in, everybody in our current society. We, we no longer have the tolerance for someone who can disagree with, who, who chooses to disagree with us vocally. We have to call them out on the carpet, and we're not happy until we see blood on that carpet. And that's <laughs> the wrong take to do things. You know, um, that's what I we, told people. Play this, play this out. You know, you okay? So the administration he goes through the discipline process, and he's he's terminated. Then he doesn't have a job. And then you know he he made a mistake. He said this thing that reflected poorly on his position as a teacher. But then what? Does that does that satisfy a community? Because really, think about it. This is about education, Henry. This is an opportunity where we can step back and say, well, hold on a second. Okay, so he said something that clearly many people did not agree with. It was written incorrectly. But let's have an opportunity to have a conversation about it. And um, I would recommend, and I don't know if this is too far outside of the mainstream, but, you know, have, you can't force him to do this, but have a conversation, bring people from different think tanks into Smithsburg High School and talk about the First Amendment. Let's talk about, um, you know, the different elements of the Constitution. Actually have and, a civics lesson within a public yeah. school? Is that what yeah. you're suggesting? That's what I'm uh, because suggesting. Because I, I believe civics has been, has been something that has you know, fallen by the wayside. Um, I think, I, I, you know, I personally feel that, you know, every school should have some type of spirited debate, um, because it's with a debate and it's with a challenge of your own opinions that you can become resolute in your own decisions. Maybe something that you believe has 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 always been right. Through a spirited debate, you can find that maybe it's not 100% the way you thought it was. You know, from doing more research, you find, oh, gee, well, the Earth no longer is flat; the Earth is actually round. Um, this is, a, you know, it's that type of debate, and you know, let him proctor it. You know, I'm not saying if you put him up on a stage um, with let's say the someone from the Washington County Republican Central <laughs> Committee. Um and, and you put them up on the that, that that's not accomplishing anything. Yeah. Okay? Those those are two political organizations that to fulfill their agendas. Um but 
if you if you have someone who represents his values that is in the education realm, and you have someone who represents the Republican values in the education realm, but not necessarily directly affiliated with the local uh, Republican or Democratic Central Committees, you have them ha- have the ability to articulate the points, and you get a discussion. Open up to the libertarian. Yeah. Now, have a little bit broader discussion because our we are weak in this society. We are failing in this society because the young people – and no offense, Ryan. I'm including you in, in, in <laughs> the, the higher age group of the younger taken. people. Okay. Um, take it as a compliment. There, there is not the fortitude to carry on spirited discussions. Yeah. Um, and have your point challenged, and then val- you know, validate your point. There, there's no longer a courtesy of public debate. Instead, we see incidents that go on in major cities, and you know, someone has the right to protest, and then someone shows up in counter protest, and everything dissolves to anarchy. That is not the, that is not the way that our constitutional republic and democracy is going to survive. No, I we have to be able to tolerate. People who object. What happened to the, so I don't, the spirit of a, a good discussion? And we've we're so partisanly divided. And yes, many people are angry with Donald Trump, and I don't agree with many of the ways he conducted himself as president. But I'm also willing, I'm I'm willing more than anybody to go out and have those tough conversations with people. And that's partly the reason why I try to use the show and have as many differing opinions as possible and discuss those with dialogue, with, um, in, with maturity and to bring out all sides of an issue. And sometimes I come up short, Henry, but that's why I want to, you know, we, I try to use this show minor detail to improve the, the political dialogue. You've been on the show many times where we've had disagreements with people. They were, they were respectful and uh, they were, you know, we, we left pleasantly um but we've lost that ability so with that i i'm sure that mr kramer will look i haven't talked to him i did reach out to him he's not responded but i'm 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 guessing that he learned a valuable lesson in this i'm i'm sure that he's going to take this experience and and learn from it the school system would be it would be the wrong move to to fire him i'm sure that some sort of counseling took place at Smithsburg High School. I'd imagine that he was but in in a professional world, Ryan, if you had a coworker or employee of yours who articulated something that was contrary to the social media policy, is that really a fireable offense? No. I mean, if it doesn't denigrate uh into something that is you know, racially or you know, publicly considered offensive. No, that's not a fireable no, no, offense. No. So it, uh, you know, it's handled appropriately. It's it's you you get a discussion with your supervisor and you talk about it and they explain to you where you went wrong, how you have violated the policy, and then they they document and then you move on and you don't do it again. It's not everything is is fireable. I mean, that's like the first line of. Everybody wants to fire, fire you, you know, let's, let's get rid of this person because he made a mistake. Well, let's stop doing that. I I really think we should, 
everybody should calm there, down. There's too much investment in employees to terminate employees for oh, uh, sure. slight indiscretion. Yeah, so, look, they, and, and he's an investment. He's been with the school system for quite a, quite a number of years now, and there's no reason to – there's no reason to get rid of somebody over something as you know like this conversation. You talk about it, then you move on, and then you forget about it. Right. And then you know as well as I do that at August twenty seventh of two thousand and eighteen, this nobody will be even thinking about this issue. It will be dead and gone. So well, we can only hope. I, I mean, our <laughs> news cycle. You know, changes about every uh, four to five days anymore. So uh, th- yeah. this should be moving moving along, and let him concentrate on having a good lesson plan and being the best teacher he can be. And hey, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to bring up another topic to you. Um, so you know that um, up in District One C, that Nicole Alt Myers, Leroy Myers, his wife, she, who is a former. Cumberland City Councilwoman, she signed up and filed. And Mike McKay was all indications, at least I thought so, pointed to the judges of the orphan court in, in, in up in Cumberland, Allegheny County, appointing Mike to replace this woman, Rebecca Drew, who was indicted, and then she eventually resigned, and that was a big thing. So Mike didn't get the appointment. And so going to be a delegate for the remainder of his term. He you know, he wouldn't have stepped down. Nicole Alt Myers is now running, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see a few other candidates jump into this. Henry, what's going on in District One C? Well, you know, I thought that, that with uh, Delegate McKay, he was going to actually uh, you know, run for Register of Wills in the next election cycle. That's that's what um, he said. I, I, that's what he did say. That I haven't seen anything. You know, contradicting that statement yet. I mean, maybe, maybe it is. I would have to think that the uh, co-op Myers and, and uh, Leroy, through his experience of formerly representing one that that uh, seat, um, would have a fairly solid grasp of whether that seat's going to be open for the next election cycle mm-hmm. or what the political landscape's going to be. I mean. You know, Nicole Altmyers, as you said, she's a former uh, Cumberland City Council member. She, I, I think, she would new, do very well with the Allegheny vote. Um, I would suppose she would do well with the uh, western portion of Washington County vote. Um, you know, with Leroy, her husband, having already served in that capacity, I think it would be a, a, a win-win for her. Uh, other potential ones. I mean, we have Ray Givens, who uh, ran before and was defeated by uh, Mike McKay. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't. He didn't send me an updated mailing address for me to send Christmas card to. Him. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, there, there's several other Washington County um, commissioners who live in that district. I'm not sure if they're looking to step up to a different level of a game or if they're content on where they're at or what, what their desire is going to be. Um, I'm not too, I'm not too familiar with the, what, who else may be available within Allegheny County to, to run for that position. Um, but I, I think uh, as soon as you introduce 
the last name Myers into the equation, I, I think that's, you know, it, it's going to be her race to lose. Um, maybe I'm wrong with that, but I, I think she is a, a strong and valid candidate. And there's no offense to, you know, um, Mike McKay. It's no offense to him, but it, it, her name's going to have some uh, some uh, mojo with it uh, going out and showing up on the ballot. Yeah. Well, I think that looking at the, the district as it stands, Nicole Altmyers, as a former Cumberland City Councilwoman, I think that yes, she would have a, a leg up. But um, you know, in fairness, will people dredge up some of the issues that are um, engulfing Leroy Myers at this time? Is that going to be uh, focused on? You know, you, you would like to think that they will respect uh, Nicole Myers for the individual she is. Um, and for her background, uh, so you would like to think that they they would respect her as, you know, the person who is actually running the ticket. She's not running to, you know, be a ghost uh, delegate uh, for uh, Leroy. So mm-hmm. she she is an individual, and you, you know, but you, you have to vote upon her credentials. Um, you know, as far as you know, Commissioner Myers. You know, you haven't heard. I haven't seen much in the newspaper in the last uh, last month. I'm sure the the wheels are turning with things, mm-hmm. but um, you, you know, in, in, until all the discovery is done and they 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 you know get to the bottom of this, I don't. You know, it depends on the timing of when it hits. Is it going to hit during the primary? Is it going to hit during the general election? Or will it hit so far in advance of the primary that no one's going to really pay much attention to it when it comes to the primary. Well, I think I think that you're going to hear more about that and it certainly could affect that decision. So, but I I do believe there's other candidates that are non-traditional politicians who will jump into this race. And I mentioned someone I wrote about um that could be a compelling candidate. Her name is Jordan Lysak. She is a Han- the only lawyer in Hancock, and she is um, part of Maryland's Justice, Re- Justice Reinvestment Committee. She works um, in, in child abuse issues. She's non-traditional. She's a female. She's a Republican. She's got a, a base up in, in, in Hancock, and um, it would be something that uh, – something to, to, to take a look at. And maybe people are looking for non-traditional politicians, Henry. You think? Maybe? Well, it, well, this is what I'm going to say. We just appoint, uh, just elected someone to the highest office in our country who was a non-traditional politician. Mm-hmm. What is the, how do you think that's going to digest when the next election cycle rolls around? <laughs> Well, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to. to I, I, watch. I, I, I'm throwing, I'm throwing a question to you, only because if he's, if his presidency continues strong, then maybe there's going to be a push towards more non-traditional uh, people stepping up and representing, and that probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Still has, you know, it, it's still a name, it's still a name recognition. Uh, sure. She's known in Hancock. Is she known in Williamsport? 
mm-hmm. uh, is she known well in Cumberland? So mm-hmm. it's it's a name recognition thing. Remember when Leroy Myers won, he defeated the Speaker of the Maryland House of Delegates by seventy two votes. Uh, it it didn't matter if it was seventy two or it was one. He took down the Speaker of the Maryland House of Delegates. That is an impressive run. Okay, so I'll give a hat. He 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 knows how to run in that district. The district hasn't changed that much. Um, so he, that's why I I give a tip of the hat to Nicole Alt Myers. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how the whether she gets any uh, tar and feathers with. Um, you know, her husband's uh, political challenges that he's facing right now. Um, mm-hmm. But And I think that's a way to, you, that's, you know, that's a fair way to characterize it, that there are some political challenges there. It, it, there, there are. And, but again, what I said initially was let's base it upon the qualities of the individual. If we base it upon the qualities of the individual, we'll have an interesting race. I agree. Yeah, and uh, a lot to a lot to follow in in Washington County, and um, we'll you and I will certainly keep our eye on it. I Henry, I, I appreciate you coming on tonight, and I know we went over a few minutes over, but um, I start to lose people after an hour. They're like, "Oh God, we don't want to hear any more about politics." But this was a good week. Um, we we have a big election coming up and i want people to be engaged and i think after labor day you're going to start seeing a lot more campaigns coming to washington county look david trone's been up there a lot you have roger mano running for congress who knows going to who's going to run for the on the republican side and i think the republicans in washington county are holding their picnic is it september 13th henry are you do you know um I thought it was later in September, but I, 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 I don't, I don't really know. I, I, only thing I know is that the, you know, as soon as schools come in session, you know, for me, for the first several months because of activities I do outside of work with refereeing, um, everything's just a blur. I don't have much free time, so the uh, it is coming up. But again, I thought it was a little bit later in September. I, I may be wrong. Usually you, in August, you, you probably are more. In, you probably are more in tune with, with when that's going to be than, than I would be. Um, so maybe if you come up for that, uh, you know, give me a call when you're in the area. We, we, maybe Denny's will be open by then. <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah, we should do that. We should definitely go to Denny's. Okay. All right. Well, Henry House um, of Washington County, a good buddy of mine, and always has the, always has the take on Washington County politics, always fair. So, Henry, you have a great week. We'll catch up soon. And I wanted to tell you, I did get back into Rotary. Um, I uh, have found a, a club in Bethesda, the Bethesda Metro Club. So I'm really happy about well, that. Well, c- congratulations. I'm glad to see you're, you're back in. It's a great organization and they do wonderful things for both local and international ne- needs. And I, I really Ryan, I want to thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I miss the well, Hagerstown come visit. Club. I know it's just it's hard for me to get up there on Wednesday afternoons when I'm I'm working, but no, I will. I will definitely try to come visit. My Rotary Club now meets. They meet in a, a in a swanky restaurant down in Bethesda on Bethesda Row, which is like the center of town where 
all of the the fun stuff happens and I I get up early in the morning. We get there at 7:30 and have a cup of coffee. So far they've had some excellent speakers. They've had in fact they had the chief of Montgomery County Police come and talk to us last week. That was a lot of fun. He talked about the heroin crisis. He talked about body cameras. So very interesting stuff and um be, being in Rotary up in Hagerstown was a lot of fun and I'm going to continue to support that club as much as I can. Especially, I love the bull and oyster roast and some of the other stuff you guys do. So keep me in the loop. And Rotary is, I'm going to be a Rotarian to the day I die. So I, I, I got out of it for a little while because I, need, I didn't find a club, Henry. I just didn't find a club. Um, well, you know, I went and visited my son in, uh, in uh, Reno. He, he took a job working out there. And mm-hmm. I, I found a club and, and went out there. And they, I, they meant Wednesdays at lunchtime, same as my, my home club did. So uh, <laughs> we've been in fun? a casino and, oh, it, it, a completely different environment, mm. um, completely different way that they ran a meeting. It's amazing how different uh, clubs run the meeting. I'm sure your Bethesda club uh, operates uh, quite differently than we what the Hagerstown club does. That's probably not a bad thing sometimes. And we don't do the four-way test every week, which is very disappointing. Really? No, we do. I mean, oh, they have no. the four-way well, you, test you, hanging you up. You should just we, stand up there when they don't do it. I, I, I'm going to put – well, I'm new, so I don't want to make a stink, but I will ask the club president if we can start doing the four-way test. I'd love to do a song, and I'd also like to – and we do something a little bit different, and you've probably experienced this, but they call it Happy Bucks, and they, they, they pass around – similar to a collection plate, and then you, you basically say what you're happy about. And people say, you know, oh, I'm happy my son or daughter is going back to college or my aunt is, um, you know, not sick anymore or something like that. But um, it's good. You raise money for the club. But I, I like that Washington or Hagerstown's club, they had these traditions built in. Um, sometimes, though, Henry, I got to tell you, those speakers ran a little long, and you're kind of like getting the old clothes hanger out, and you're looking at your watch. Well, like, actually, um, I invested in a shepherd's hook prior to me taking over as president, so I don't even have to walk up to the stage. I can just sit there and, and grab my little shepherd's hook, and I can hook, grab hold of the <laughs> microphone and pull the podium down. And they don't even know what's happening. Um, is that right? No, but it, 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 every club is quite different. Uh, the club I visited they spent a half hour talking talking about things that they they're doing in the community which um you That's know cool. it wasn't necessarily all all regarding rotary but it was it was regarding what business activities people did or they had a, if you didn't have a, a guest sitting at your table you got fined for something like that it was what? so it was different and you know it, oh it, it, it as i said it was different um and uh, the Hagerstown Club, we have a lot of traditions, and we have a lot of uh, pride and success over our 100-plus years as a club. So I'm, I'm just very blessed to be uh, serving as the club president right now. Yeah, and uh, a little – sometimes you have those, those table issues, and everybody encourages uh, – at, at, at the new club I joined, you know, everybody sits somewhere different, and I know that I could never – break into i can never penetrate that back table henry so one of these days i'm going to go well, when i come you never over. ask for the secret handshake to the back table <laughs> yeah so okay i, could, I, I, I mean I'm, yeah 
yeah. Well, you know, I I was thinking about it. If um, if I just sat down there one day, whether they would let me sit there, I could I could think of everybody sitting at that back table right now. I could name them by name. I'm not going to do that. That wouldn't be nice. No, no. But uh, it, it, it's a it's a good club. They 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 have a good community spirit. So you know, they, it's really a nice th- thing. Matter of fact, uh, you may have heard about the fire that we had in Hagerstown in the apartment building. Yeah, That's um, terrible. We, we our club we're going to be taking up a collection to help out the families that lost a lot of items as they're getting ready to start off to school and see if we can try to help us supplant some of the additional costs that they incurred. So. Um, fortunately, you know, I don't believe there was anyone, uh, uh, died during the, the fires, but it, it was definitely uh, catastrophic when you have something that, that close to school and, and you lose your home. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, Henry, um, All right, sir. I'm gonna, I appreciate your time as always your opinion. So, uh, we'll catch up soon. You have a, you tell Gail, I said, hi, and, uh, have a good night. You do the same. Say, say right. hi to Kim. Goodbye. I will. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. So that wraps up our show for this week. My name is Ryan Miner. You can find me on the web at aminordetail.com. Don't forget to go to theredcross.org and um, send a donation. Uh, They need that for the Hurricane Harvey. And um, do whatever you can that you can help in, in however you can. So with that, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. At the same time, 9 o'clock on Sunday evenings, minordetail.com. Have a great week, everybody.